Here we go in three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice in athletic training. I'm joined with my friend John Seco. This is the Changing Settings series. We've talked to a lot of people, gotten a lot of great one-liners, tips, wisdoms, thoughts, feelings, emotions about changing settings, why you should and should not. And we are joined by Megan Alcorn. And if you're watching the, the video, Megan has a beautiful, like, golden leaf backdrop that's just right out of her, out her window. It, it makes me pretty jealous, like, just the... I, I want to see leaves like that, right? So down here, down here in Texas, we don't we don't necessarily get that. We get hot and then cold for a couple of days and then hot again. So, um, but that's not the point. That's not the point. So Megan's been an athletic trainer for about eleven years. She's been four years in the industrial setting. She spent time in settings like the high school, outpatient clinic, inpatient clinic, rural community. Um, PRN, professional sports, college sports. So a lot of different settings currently in the industrial setting, which is kind of like the, one of the, I guess, uh, dream jobs for a lot of current athletic trainers who are feeling burnout. They're like, oh, I want to go to the military or I want to go to industrial. So this is a great opportunity because Megan has been there for four years. And so I look forward to hearing more of your story. Uh, and then obviously we're going to talk about how, why, when you made each of those switches. So this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Megan Alcorn. So it's M-E-G-H-A-N and then A-L-L-C-O-R-N. Again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Megan Alcorn. Megan, I gave us the overview, but why don't you get us started with where you started as an athletic trainer and then work your way up to where you are right now. Yeah, um, so I actually started in uh, PRN coverage for Collegiate D2 in the greater Michigan area. So kind of the GLIAC conference for those in the Michigan area who are familiar. Um, so Saginaw Valley State University, um, Grand Valley State University, uh, that whole conference there. And I covered every single uh, collegiate sport available at the time I traveled. Um, basically, when home athletic trainers weren't available to cover sports that they were hosting, they would bring me on for PRN coverage. Um, I then kind of transitioned actually directly into the industrial setting. So my first time job, my first time job was a full time industrial athletic trainer, and I was actually out in northwestern United States, um, so kind of the Washington area. Uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, Puget Sound is absolutely gorgeous. The state of Washington is absolutely gorgeous and um, they're actually dealing with a lot of wildfires right now. So uh, my prayers go out to them in that area. Um, transitioned back into the secondary school setting. Uh, when I moved back to the state of Michigan and kind of dabbled in secondary school for a little while, did some PRN coverage while then transitioning into an industrial program again, which was uh, actually at Detroit Metro Airport, which was pretty entertaining. Um, and then jumped back into the secondary school setting in Northwestern Michigan and also did a bunch of community outreach. So as most athletic trainers know, you get into a secondary school, you're working kind of that second shift time frame, and you got to find something to fill the rest of your day because otherwise you're not a full-time employee. Um, so that kind of drove me to the community outreach stuff. Uh, I was working out of a um, health and fitness facility in Northwestern lower peninsula of Michigan, so right along the coast of Lake Michigan, which was absolutely gorgeous as well. Um, 
And there I was running programs for individuals who are coming out of physical therapy services. So kind of that next step, keeping people going, keeping them on top of their home exercise programs and also advancing their programs. Um, also ran a pre-diabetes and diabetes program, uh, teaching people about how to exercise and work out and do things properly while managing blood sugar. Um, and then also uh, jumped into a program and managed a program out there as well for cancer patients. Um, so again, teaching people how to exercise within cancer guidelines and restrictions and all of the rest of that fun stuff. Um, moved back to Southeastern Michigan and again in the secondary school setting. Um, finished my PTA degree, which I had started when I was in Northwestern Michigan and uh, kind of jumped into the inpatient setting thinking, hey, this sounds like fun. <laughs> um, and then decided that wasn't quite for me when COVID happened and found another industrial program and have been there since. A lot of different places. A lot of fast. changes. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of changes. Um, so as we made those changes, or as you made those changes, what were some of the things that you considered going from one setting to the next? So when I was up in Northwestern Michigan, basically everything was about survival. Uh, I was a, a single female um, uh, and, you know, you're trying to support yourself and, and work through everything and to not have a full-time job um, was just not a possibility. Uh, so kind of figuring out how to integrate within the community and, and make a full-time job out of something that had never been in that area before. Um, and by never been, I mean, athletic trainers hadn't been there. Um, the school that I had a contract with had never had a contracted athletic trainer. They had never had the MHSA concussion guidelines um, laid out for them. They had never had an emergency action plan. Um, they had never had someone on staff solely dedicated to their student athletes health. Uh, and they just didn't know how to use me. Um, and they also didn't know how much they needed someone. So, you know, they sign an initial contract and it's for barely 20 hours a week. And the hospital system that I was working for said, well, you know, if you can figure out a way to make it a full-time job, we'll pay you for the full-time job. So I figured out a way to make it a full-time job. <laughs> so most recent change, obviously you talked about COVID and, um, you know, the, the life changes that happened there. Um, talk about your move from the secondary school back into the industrial setting and where you're at right now. Yeah, so I'm currently the program manager athletic trainer for a company named WorkFit um, within the state of Michigan. Uh, I'm within the automotive industry. Shocker, Michigan Automotive. You wouldn't have guessed. Um, and the big driver for the change for me is that I now have two little girls. And I wanted more work-life balance. I wanted a day shift job. And I wanted a job where I knew that no matter what had happened within a medical community, medical hospital, that industry was always going to need me. Um, I know a lot of us throughout COVID had feelings of what am I going to do? Am I going to be laid off? What's my hospital system going to do? What's this person going to do? What's my company going to do? Oh, now we're on leave. Now we're not. Now we're furloughed. Now we're not. And we're there was just so much back and forth. Um, and it really took a huge mental toll on me and my family. Um, and on top of that, you know, I was I was done missing 
my kids' events. I was done not being there for homework and for dinner. And that's a huge driver, I think, especially for females. I, I can't speak for males, um, but I would assume it's the same on the other side. So I just went back and counted just in your quick little details. You had nine different type of setting changes. Um, what was the hardest change for you? Was there a setting change where you went from one to another and it was a really difficult decision or a really difficult change for you? I think the hardest was moving out of the industrial setting initially um, because it was a first shift job. Uh, you know, my first industrial job was a 4 a.m. start. I worked four tens. I was off at two and I was able to be a lifeguard and a swim coach and you know, do other things on top of that job. Um, but it was also consistent income. So knowing that I was leaving that uh, was difficult. Transitioning away from the patient population in Northwestern Michigan was also difficult for me. Um, it was a small town and everyone knew everyone. So that made it very hard as well. Uh, and it's kind of the same when I left the high school setting down here in southeastern Michigan to go back to industrial. You know, I, I still stop by the high school every once in a while and I see the kids and I miss the families and those interactions. And then I think back on it and I go, yeah, it was really hard to leave. But at the same time, the interactions and the people that I've made relationships with in the industrial setting are just as good, if not better because I'll see them in the grocery store and we'll have a conversation about body mechanics and how to push a grocery cart correctly because I catch them doing it one-handed. Um, they're like, oh crap, she caught me. Um, so there's there's some fun stuff in there too. So you said one of your industrial uh, settings was at DTW, which is our, our international airport here in Detroit. Um, can you talk about that? I think there there's not a lot of people that understand or have uh, encountered the airline industrial setting setting yeah absolutely um so i'm gonna kind of set the stage for you guys so you can think through it a little bit um you as a passenger get on an aircraft right you put your bag in the overhead bin and you put maybe one or two bags up well the flight attendants who are doing that all day long and if you look at a commuter trip they're not only putting the bags in the overhead bins that fit they're also tagging them and then they're helping the ground workers put them in the belly of the aircraft when they don't fit in the overhead bins. So now your bag that you carried on, which might weigh 45 to 50 pounds, if all of us are being, you know, realistic about what we put in our bags, you know, my carry-on typically weighs more than my checked bag. Um, you know, they're doing that over and over again. So you look at the injury that an athlete sustains, you know, we'll talk about lifting in a weight room. Um, they might be lifting 50 pounds, 10 to 15 reps total. Maybe it's a little bit more depending on what they're doing. These individuals are stuck in the belly of an aircraft, which is not much bigger than the room under your dining room table, and they are moving 50-pound bags around all day long. That is a huge energy expenditure, and there's no way to maintain 100% appropriate body mechanics while they're doing this job. So that push-pull that you're talking to someone about when they have a ton of room to do it is totally different than when you're stuck in a confined space and doing the same push-pull. 
um, you think there's 300 seats on an aircraft, give or take a smaller commuter plane, that's 300 bags that someone is having to move. So they're doing that multiple times an hour, every single hour of their shift, most of the time, eight to 12 hours a day. That's, that's a lot of things to consider that I think, you know, as a, just a general passenger, you don't ever recognize, you just think, I wish they got my bag off faster. And why am I waiting here? But maybe, you know, help us give a little bit of gratitude uh, to those workers because that, that is a big job. And that is, uh, th- that leaves a lot of room for us as athletic trainers to, to operate and, and to help out. So thank you for that. Um, how are you able to best transfer experiences from one setting to the next? Um, so the one thing that transfers super, super easy for athletic trainers is personality. Um, getting to know people and getting people to trust you is the number one thing that any setting requires, a high school, a collegiate setting, industrial setting. You have to gain that trust in your population. As soon as you gain that trust in your population, you can start to have an open conversation with them about anything. Same thing that happens with our student athletes. You have a conversation about health and wellness, nutrition, an athlete starts to feel comfortable with you and they say, hey, you know, I've really been struggling and I think I might have an eating disorder. The same thing can happen in the industrial setting too. Typically it's a little bit different, like, hey, my doctor told me I need to lose weight. How do I go about doing this? What resources do we have available? Um, The other skills that translate really well are watching someone move and addressing movement deficits. So if you're watching a football player throw a football and they're not getting enough shoulder abduction, you can translate that directly into the plant worker who's sitting in abduction 100% of the time using a torque gun. So, you know, the shoulders up in an abducted position, they're putting excess strain and force on it. And you can see that generate over and over and over again. Then you start to put, you know, oh, well, okay, if I was doing this once or twice, it wouldn't really bother me, but I'm doing it 400 times a day. Oh, now the bells and whistles start to go off and you go, oh, well, from a body mechanics perspective or from a uh, position perspective, where's the strongest spot for that arm to be? And then you go and you coach to that. So it's the same as if we were coaching anyone else on movement patterns. It's just coaching in reverse. One of the things that I learned recently was the, the movement on an assembly line is, you know, you have what, 60 seconds per, you know, around that time. Um, So as one part moves into your space, you have about 60 seconds to complete the the job before it moves on to the next um, station. Where does that, and then and as people kind of imagine the, the movement of an assembly line and, and getting a, a job done within 60 seconds, can you talk to that a little bit and, and how you're able to help or help those operators uh, do their job more efficiently so that they're not able to uh, experience injury? I can try to. Um, so in, in the current facility that I work in, um, they have what's called tack time. And that's the time that something is within a station. And when I say station, I want you to think about a constantly moving object within a footprint. So this is, um, you know, a train is within the station. Once it leaves this, the station, it's in the next station. Um, however, this station or this footprint is only one train car long. So if you can kind of follow that imagery, 
for a second. Um, with all of that happening, you have all of the parts behind you that have to go on to whatever you're building at that time. It could be an engine. It could be a full vehicle. It could be uh, a part of an aircraft. It could be um, filling toothpaste tubes. You know, any of those things. You have to have all of these parts moving at the same time and, and together. So in the facility that I'm currently in, all of the parts are staged off the line. The individual has to basically turn around and grab them and put them on the line. Um, the best thing that I found is watch what they're doing. Watch the movement patterns. Watch a couple people, dif couple different people perform the movement pattern. And then coach the individual who's saying that, you know, oh, I have this fatigue in my shoulder. Oh, well, I understand now why you have the fatigue in your shoulder because you're standing like this the whole entire time while you're doing it. Now, if we just bring that elbow down closer to the body a little bit, that fatigue point's going to go away for the upper trap and the delt. So then we're going to protect the shoulder. We all know that the point of shoulder impingement is, you know, right about here. Well, if someone spends all day right there, that's bad. If we bring that elbow down closer to the body and the hand is there, that's a little bit different. Um, so I hope that answered the question. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I and I wanted to illustrate the you know how how that injury can happen over time. You know, as a as something moves from one station to the next, you only have a certain amount of time to get it done. So if you don't do it efficient with your body, you're going to lose that ability to, to stay safe. So a lot of times people want to, they have about 60 seconds to get that job done. And if they can get it done in 20 seconds, you know, they can have a little rest, but they may not be doing it efficiently. And that's where that space uh, for injury can, can occur. So that's, you know, thank you for that, that illustration. Um, so just a couple questions left. Um, is this your final stop? Uh, I'm going to be completely and 100% honest. I don't know. Um, I enjoy the industrial setting a lot. I love the fact that it gives me work-life balance. I love the fact that I'm able to hang out with my kids a little bit more. I also love having weekends free. Um, I, I don't have to go to games on the weekend. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, but I don't know if it's my last stop or not. Uh, I love athletic training. I love what it's brought into my life but I don't know that it's going to be my end career. As somebody that's out there that is potentially looking for that setting change or the career change, or really just looking for change in it altogether, what are some words of encouragement that you can provide to them um, as they're, as they're looking to make that move? Um, I think as people are out there, they're at that precipice of like, Oh, I want to change, or this may not be for me, or uh, it's not as it used to be. Um, they, they need that encouragement. Uh, and that's why we're doing the series here is just to help people make that either leap or that um, that decision for them a little bit easier. So as you've made these changes, what is something that you can share with somebody as a word of encouragement for them uh, to either stay in their setting or, or to make that change? I think my, my main thing would be don't be afraid to try and fail from every failure you can learn and you can gain knowledge that will help you down the road no matter where you go. Every single time I've tried something new or pushed for something or made it so that I had a full-time job, I learned something new. And that learning is what has continued my love for athletic training. And that learning didn't come out of a CEU course. It came out of pure experience. Megan, any regrets or missed opportunities? 
Ooh. I, I don't know that I would say anything as regret. Um, I, I think there's probably some missed opportunities in there. Uh, there were a couple times where I made decisions on jobs that maybe I shouldn't have. Um, but overall, again, everything's been a learning experience and that's made me who I am today. And hopefully that in the long run works out in my favor. All right, Megan, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's going to be the very best way to do that? As you put LinkedIn and Facebook here, um, is it they just search your name on Facebook? Is it going to be the easiest way? Uh, probably not. I can send you a direct link for, for my Facebook if you'd like. Um, I know people can find me on there. LinkedIn is probably the best. I, I do keep an eye on that just because of the program manager side of my job. Um, and I have to kind of keep a pulse on what's going on within in my uh, manufacturing setting. All right. So I'm not a LinkedIn expert. If uh, I remember seeing something like I can't message somebody unless they're following me on LinkedIn. Is that correct? No, you can message them. Um, so there's a, you can find them, message them, and then you can just request a follow too if you'd like. Okay, cool. So LinkedIn will be the best way, and it's M-E-G-H-A-N, and then A-L-L-C-O-R-N, Megan Alcorn. Again, I'll have a link to that, Megan, if you'll send that over or type it in the show notes there. Um, she also included a couple of links and resources that I'll put in the show notes. So um, the RB. R-E-B-A employee assessment worksheet, just I guess yep. to give you a chance to see kind of what she does. And <clears throat> so if you want to check out any of those, look at sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Megan Alcorn. And again, that's M-E-G-H-A-N-A-L-L-C-O-R-N. Megan, John, Jeremy, Sports Medicine Broadcast. That is a wrap. Thank you.